and welcome everybody to another episode of Crushing Comics, where we are continuing our epic X-Men reread. Myself and my good friends and fellow mutants, Tyler and Freeha. Now, usually we read a lot of Uncanny X-Men issues. It's kind of the point. We're starting with Claremont. But there are some other issues that are going to fit into our reading today. Because Uncanny X-Men 111 starts out with a really peculiar situation. It starts out with Beast and the X-Men nowhere to be found. So we're going to read the issues that kind of lead us into that and explain who shows up during and especially at the end of that issue. We are going to spoil everything that we're reading today. We're probably going to treat anything in the history of Marvel as fair game. So if you're the kind of person who wants to remain unspoiled on all sorts of former Mar Marvel plots, uh, this is not necessarily the place for you. And because of the nature of the seismic changes of the current run of X-Men, we do make some comments about the status quo that follows Jonathan Hickman's House of X and Powers of X. We're not going to explicitly spoil any sports story beats that come after that, but we're going to talk about the general status quo. So if you have not read House of X and Powers of X, we're not going to spoil every plot beat, but we might uh, be talking about some of the changes that it caused. Mm -hmm. With that all out of the way, the first story I think to read in this group is probably Captain America Annual 4, which actually um, is really interesting because it's from the period of Captain America that was exclusively written and drawn by Jack Kirby. And this sees Kirby returning to one of his original Silver Age creations, Magneto. And we don't get to see a lot of Magneto written by a lot of other people other than Claremont at this point. And we certainly don't get to see him written by Kirby. So it's a really kind of throwbacky, interesting Magneto story, which I think, Tyler, you've read relatively recently, even before this read, or, or had you read it knowing we were going to get it? in this read. No, I read it um, because... What was I doing? Oh, because I was trying to go through um, the the year-by-year -year reading and um, of like Claremont's writing because I did not know he wrote so many other things apart outside of uh, Uncanny X-Men. Mm. So I was reading, um, reading certain things. I can't remember what. I think it might be... I was flipping through the uh, the the um, the omnibus, and then I saw this footnote that say, "Oh, see Captain America Annual Four. So I just jumped over to Marvel Unlimited, and I was like, and I brought it up and started reading it. Um, well, I said reading it with quotes because I couldn't get past the first like quarter of it. <laughs> so in the end, really? I ended up just flipping. <laughs> I mean, just swiping it through, looking at the pictures, and swiping it through, looking at pictures. It's and a so little bit funny. Of a... You didn't. You really disliked it that much. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's that's a problem. Well, that's a problem with me because I could not, I could not take Silver Age comics. Like I really cannot, um, you know, um, <laughs> tolerate. That was the word I was thinking because I, I keep thinking of the Singaporean slang, which says I really cannot tahan it. I cannot, I cannot tolerate it. So, so like I couldn't get past um, Uncanny X Men number one, which is drawn by Stanley and I mean written by Stanley and drawn by Jack Kirby. I couldn't get past Spider Man number one. I couldn't get past Fantastic Four number one. Like it just doesn't sit well with me at all. <laughs> it's you know it's interesting because. I definitely have trouble with the kind of like overwritten nature of those sometimes. And also the the characters tend to be very plain. Like they aren't multi-dimensional plotting 
very human characters. Not always. Sometimes they can yeah. be. Not to paint all of the Silver Age with a broad brush. And this Magneto is definitely a very rather one-dimensional Magneto. And the layers that are there are so funny. Like, he's... Tr he, he, the whole premise, which is ridiculous, is that he and Captain America have both answered a want ad from the newspaper about needing a caretaker for a mutant. Which... I have so many questions. Like, is does Magneto... I mean, I guess we could, like, retcon it that Magneto just has, like, a word search for mutant out there because he's trying to, like, rebuild his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and so he saw mutant in the newspaper and he went. Um, except Magneto uh, doesn't have a Brotherhood of Evil Mutants at all in Claremont's X-Men, and he's just been kind of, like, brought back from babyhood uh, in Uncanny X-Men 104, and this has to fit before he appears later in this episode uh, at Uncanny X-Men 111. So this is Kirby being like, meanwhile, after the he had that fight with the X-Men on Muir Isle. He decided to reassemble a Brotherhood of Evil Mutants who we never hear anything of again other than Peepers. And he also found a tiny spaceship and he has no idea about how to see inside of the tiny spaceship, but he's really interested in it. So he's actually explicitly looking for a really tiny mutant. And as luck would have it, he finds a really tiny mutant on the other end of this one ad. I mean, it's just got this like Silver Age, this kind of like unpeeling the onion caliber of, of, of every ridiculous thing leads to it even yeah. more ridiculous thing. Freya, did you read this issue or are you just taking our word for it? I'm taking your word for it. Okay. Unfortunately, I ended up reading, I think, Annual 3 or something and it didn't have a <laughs> no mutant in, in it. One. And I'm like, why am I reading this? <laughs> I thought that in grand scheme of things, it will come together. And then when, <laughs> when you guys said that Annual 4, I'm like, oh no, mistakes were made. <laughs> So, I mean, no, but you said an interesting thing because you said the word word search. How does he have word search in that era? Like, well, I, how, I said retcon. Or Peepers <laughs> saw somebody reading the newspaper. So this introduces Peepers, who's a mutant who oh, can see almost infinitely far, but only with mm -hmm. his eyes. But as long as he's got a straight line, he can see it. And also, he's also Cyclops. Like, he also can shoot beams out of his eyes that are incredibly deadly. Oh. Almost enough to vaporize Captain America, but darn it, not yeah. quite. <laughs> Missed it. But I mean, but no, just, I'm gonna. Go, I'm gonna ridiculous. go back and read it now. It's it's truly it's so ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> so this mutant that they find from the other side of the one ad, it's it's actually one mutant in two bodies. It's a tiny little baby, in like tiny mutant that could fit inside of a wristwatch, but he can barely even move his tiny little baby bird mutant body. And then there's this big hulking stone golem kind of mutant that he telepathically inhabits that moves around. So you just get the. I mean, it's almost it's just ridiculous. Like Cap goes on a jog what? with the giant mutant who's being controlled by the little mutant but then Magneto kidnaps the little mutant. I mean, it's just a truly ridiculous if you miss that level of ridiculousness um, here it is. <laughs> so, do you know what's the name of the little mutant? They just call him Mutant w 1? Mutant 1? Okay, yeah. because the only reason I ask because Brian Kevon's Mystique run there is a tiny mutant <gasps> who helps Mystique. Professor X Settles, settles her with this mutant and then it's like, oh, he's going to be your assistant. And apparently Professor X has done something so he doesn't actually vaporize because he can't control his size. And that's how he kind of maintains like oh, a size. Oh, no, that's different. That, I know who you mean now. That's not this guy. Okay, so it's not that one. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's the origin of this guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think my, I've I'm, seen I'm, that I'm referring to my anyway. Captain America official index to the Marvel Universe and it says, spoilers, 
Mute Mr. One and Mr. Two, mutant with two telepathically connected bodies, both die. So at the time of this, the release of this in like 2007 or 8, they had never been used again. Could be on Krakoa now. No one knows. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. okay. Well, that was ridiculous. It was, it it was, was. truly ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, so we have a few more things to cover. <laughs> yes. So Less the, ridiculous. Less ridiculous than that. So um, even though Marvel team up 69 and also 70 is kind of next, I think we have to talk about the backup story in classic X-Men 17 first. Because in Marvel team up, the X-Men are not at the mansion. And this classic X-Men 17 issue, which is the issue that does reprint on Candy X-Men 111, which we will get to, explains yeah. how the X-Men wind up not at the mansion. Now, Freya, did you read this one? I did read this. One. Okay, so why don't you lead us off here? What do you think about this story of uh, Mesmero and his enrapturing of Jean Grey, which leads him to control the entire X-Men team? So, I mean, as I was reading this, I'm like, Peter and Tyler is trying to kill me with the bad tropes that women have been settled with. Like, you know, and it's in storytelling. Like, this is another one. This is like, you know... Jessica Jonesifying. It's of very Jessica Jean Jones. Gray. Yeah, yeah, Jean Grey. But Jessica and it was Jones like, came later. I know, but it's just no. I know, I know. It plot. came later. Yeah, it just is that same plot. It's the same plot that women character, female characters, mm. been settled with, like again and again. And it, it was very upsetting. It's very upsetting and disappointing because the thing is that Jean Grey is supposed to have all this. Like she's a phoenix at this point, right? She oh yeah. Is, I mean, it fits yeah. here. Yeah, so she's. She's she phoenix. Is phoenix. She's, Later, she's, we, she's not even Jean Grey. She's just yeah. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, she's not. Yeah, she's just Phoenix. Um, so yeah, so it's like she has all this power, but then somehow there's two different aspects. That when a woman gets all this power, she has to learn to control it. But when a male character gets it, it's a learn to use it. So there's a two different aspect that female character always gets settled with, and I'm really sick and tired of that. Everyone keeps telling that to her, and you know she's like, oh, I'm so weak. I don't know what to do and then then the thing is like this guy gets her and then she's put in that weird clothing which kind of leads to like a like a, a rape situation and it's then he's like oh no you know what I'm gonna take you to the ex-mansion and then apparently she giddily said all the things about like gave all the information and uh, she was supposed to be this powerful character, and here we are. Who is it written by? Because I this don't want to say. It's... Yeah. Because it's Claremont fixing was... his own issue. Yeah, and then I was actually saying, thinking that I'm like, I thought he was supposed to be better than this. He's not. It's not. It's not. It's not good. Ugh. Yeah, there's a there's a level of commentary here mm -hmm. which is very strange and I'm happy that we have a, a woman on the show to speak to it so it's not Tyler and I speaking to it which is Claremont almost saying with the story like and you know these kinds of male characters and by extension men in the real world you know will manipulate and control women to get what they want and even if you're the phoenix the only thing that it can prevent is maybe you can have your body but you you're still going to be controlled like your mind is going to be controlled your actions are not going to be yours um and so in a way, there's almost like a positive sheen on it because he's like, oh, look, he can't physically abuse Jean. And when he tries to physically abuse her, she takes over. But then there's the whole rest of the implication of that, which is that, oh, but this woman's mind is so easily controlled by a man and her life is so easily controlled by a man. As long as he doesn't try to, you know, violate her body, 
it's just really disturbing and and it's Claremont has some flaws, which we will encounter repeatedly, and yeah. the way he writes about consent, even when he starts to understand that it's a theme that he's actually dealing with, uh, it ain't great. Yeah, and I think it's like at the end, then at the end of this, like it's like the way that both the female character, her and Storm, was put in this ridiculous costume, and I think like well, you know, the equal opportunity closest was also put in a ridiculous costume <laughs> with like this this whole thing, and then it's just like. I mean, it, I don't know. I was just like, well, isn't she supposed to be this like really powerful character? I don't, I don't see Superman stories where Superman has to control his power, learn to control his power. He's always have to like, oh, how do I use my power for good? Why can't Jean be? Jean have that story? Like, I was, I was just tired of that. I was like, I mean, oh, she, another trope. In in a way, I think, um, in this case, I think he's just trying to say that, like. Jean, you know, is, 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 I mean, it's not new because I think he has written, I can't remember whether is it a recon, uh, I'm not recon, whether it was written after or before, but it's mm. like, it, he, he has always written the fact that um, Jean, um, not him, I think. Okay, so this is what happened. Uh, Jean powers manifested when, you know, she was in the mind of her, her friend who was killed. And in order to protect her her mind from you know really um, for, for her really losing her mind, they they build in mental blocks so that she mm. has no telepathy or very weak telepathy initially. So I think this works in that vein because when she gets the powers of Phoenix, she has to relearn to control her powers because they are so much more than what she was used to, right? So, and mm -hmm. I think um, Claremont has always written like telepathy as not just like, oh, I can read people's mind. Also the fact that strong thoughts can invade your mind. So here, mm -hmm. Jean is trying to protect herself by shutting everything down. So like by turning the volume or the power level down. And that is where Mesmero um, sort of, um, you know, hypnotize her. I do agree about the the part about you know her being dressed up and things like that, but mm. that part is really more a comment on Mesmero than Jean, right? Because Jean wasn't in control of herself at the time. No, I, and I know that, but I'm talking about the why are female characters always put in these situations? Like, mm. why, why, write something different. Like that's what I'm saying. Like why this threat to their you know, their bodily autonomy is always a story point. That's, okay. and I think like, I think like because I've already seen that happening with yeah. Jessica Jones, I already seen that with Captain Marvel, I've already seen that with she, uh, um, Jennifer Walters. It's a Marvel problem. But it, like, did, happen, it did happen with Hellions too, right? Because Hellion was trying, in Academy X, he was trying to, his powers got expanded. And then he was trying to train, uh, Beast was trying to train him to control his power, to fine tune his power, because he, he, he could. Like, right, but the thing is, he, he rejected that, right? Because and it's also like, in a no, school I'm book. Not gonna... Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we can yeah. count, we, I don't think we can count somebody training their power in a school book, which is like ostensibly the point of that, to mm. every time a woman gets some kind of crazy cosmic power, they have, they're like, oh, I'm vaporizing everyone, I can't control myself, the romance of it is overtaking me. Yeah, I think if there's I mean, one character that they're doing well with that, you know, in recent Marvel comics is Captain Marvel, 
Carol Danvers. Yeah. Like, she's had a really big power-up. And while she doesn't always know the full extent of her powers, I don't think they tend to write her a lot and they're like, I've almost overwhelmed myself. Like, if anything, she goes too hard and she's like, well, I guess I can do that. Which is nice because that's mm. kind of the way that a lot of male characters are written. Like, they get that I didn't know my own strength beat a lot more than women get. Women frequently get the... Um, I almost killed everyone with, you know, it's like, the, it's just the same coin, but it's the weak <gasps> side of it. And it's just, you know, I, I mean, not to like really harp on this, but because yeah. it's a classic X-Men story, but I want to, because I'm, I think oh, Claremont always likes to toy with this idea of consent, right? It's threaded mm. through his whole run. There's constant body switching, mind switching, yep. mind control. It's just one of his themes. But I do think that he realizes after a while that always having it be a man control a woman is is not it, right? That's that's not that's not worth exploring. It's got yeah. things that he does shouldn't comment on. And so then you get things like Emma Frost, you know, taking over Storm's body. Then you get things like Spiral remaking people's body, which is where I am in my personal reread right now. And it's like even though it's still gross and it's about consent. It, it allows him to write different parts of this other than just a man controlling a woman, mm. which is all too common, which is why this issue bothers me so much because I guess he, I know he's trying to like fix his story from 111 to be like, how could Mesmero control all the X-Men so permanently and all at once? Yeah. But he's writing this in 1987 when he's in the middle of all that mutant massacre, fall of the mutants type stuff. He's a better writer and I just don't, I don't know. This this issue really bo- really bothers me for similar reasons to Freya. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then why not use like someone like I don't know like horses maybe or like Nightcrawler maybe like you know someone who probably necessarily doesn't have them like you know all these other like mental power to kind of do that. I mean, this is one of the reason I keep on like you know because I know that there's something about Jean Grey because I know that she's mm-hmm. your favorite character, Peter, and that's why I kept on give, wanting to give her chances after chances. But the thing is, the way she's written so far, and even like in like modern runs and everything, I mean, she's pretty much absent for most of it. It's like it's it's this this, this. it's this like she's a personified of women wanting to do something more, but then always being held back. Because, yeah. Oh my God, you cannot mm-hmm. control your power and. It bothers me so much. And I know that Claremont can write better because there is Storm, on the other hand, who doesn't necessarily have to deal with all of this. So it's like, so why are you doing this? You know? So it's just like, it's it's not good. But maybe that, that's the whole point. Maybe that's the whole point of like, you know, having like a spectrum of things. I don't know. But it's just when it's like a two data points, it's kind of hard to see it as that way. Well, for better or worse, and it seems like we're mostly on the side of worse, if you want to understand why the X-Men are where they are at the beginning of issue Mm -hmm. 111, you should read the backup from Classic X-Men 17. But before we can get to Uncanny X-Men 111, we still have one more thing to read, which is Marvel Team-Up 69. Now, Claremont and Byrne were the creators behind Marvel Team-Up at this point. And even though Marvel Team-Up, if you did not know, pretty much means Spider-Man Team-Up, occasionally it means Human Torch Team-Up, but in the original 1972 version of it, it's pretty much Spider-Man Team-Up. And he's hot off of just a couple of issues ago meeting Captain Britain. Uh, for the first time, which lets us kind of place Captain Britain at the um, in the same period as these X-Men issues. But yeah. here, we actually open up not on Spider-Man, but on Lorna Dane, Polaris, and Alex Summers' Havoc on Muir Island after they've done all the cleanup that resulted from Uncanny X-Men 104, and they're trying to enjoy a romantic night together. But unfortunately, the living Pharaoh's goons 
have some other plans for havoc. And that is why this fits here, because it kind of shows the state of Muir Island and a lot of other things happening in the X-Men's world, again, to set us up for issue 111. So, Tyler, what do you think of this Claremont burn jam on Havoc and Spider-Man? Not really teaming up. I don't know if we could call it a no. team up. It's just <laughs> Havoc and Spider-Man. Um, I mean, my first thought is, okay, wait, before before I jump into this team up, um, I have one uh, one last comment about the classic uh, backup story, the Mesmero one. Nothing to do with Jean. It's more uh, to do with Wolverine. Oh, that's so true. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, because Wolverine basically fake out Mesmero at the end where he's like, oh, he realized that, oh, Mesmero has this hit, hypnosis power, so I'm just going to play it. And he pretend to be <laughs> hypnotized before attacking him again. And mm. I'm like, see, even this Wolverine, like at this point in time, is not stupid. Um, and my main problem with the current Wolverine is that he's of, often acting stupid. So why? Anyway, that's just my not, pet peeve. At, at least he's not rapey right now. No, so I know. you lose some, you win <laughs> some. <laughs> okay, anyway, back to the team up. Um, I, I feel like this should have been like, you know, Uncanny X-Men 110. Like it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be in the team up issue. Like it, it has I mean, it features um Havoc uh pretty prominently well in the beginning and you know teaming up with Spider Man loosely later on. But um the and and the main uh villain here is also a mutant. So um so you know it it could easily have gone into like one ten uh, and it also establishes um, uh, wh why it establishes the appearance of Beast in uh, one eleven later. Right, on. because it has the sequence of like Alex thinks Lorna is dead because the goons throw her into the ocean, but she's fine. She's Lorna Dane. She's okay. Yep. So she tries calling the X Men, and nobody's picking up. And so she yep. winds up reaching out to Beast to be like, "It's awfully strange that nobody's at the mansion right yeah. now, and there's and the answering service kind of isn't even on." This is because which off. Yeah. leads Beast to then take a Quinjet, which Thor is very puzzled by, which then yeah. leads Beast into Uncanny X Men one eleven. But meanwhile, Thor winds up assisting Spider Man in yeah. resolving this living. Pharaoh, Pharaoh plot um, in the next issue of Marvel Teen Up. And the thing with yeah. Marvel living Pharaoh is that his power and Alex's power are connected such that neither one of them can be truly at the peak of their power while mm -hmm. both are alive. And living Pharaoh would prefer to be the living monolith that can use the full extent of this power. And so he wants to absorb it all from Havoc. Much, yeah. much, much later, this is retconned as being perpetrated by spoilers, Mr. Sinister. But so we have sorry. no concept of that. At this point, it's yeah. just something we know from the Silver Age. And so Pharaoh is just always trying to get Havoc and, and do something. So I eat him? I don't know. Uh, and so in this case, he just wants to keep him in this glass coffin mm -hmm. that will always be absorbing his power. So he's not going to kill him, but he's going to make sure that he gets the full brunt of the Ooh, powers all yeah. the time. Havoc gets a couple cool moments. He, he, um, he shows his ability to think on his feet and, and in danger here in a way that we haven't really seen yet, I don't think, which is no, cool. And that's part yeah. of why I like this issue. Yeah. I mean, if, um, there's one other thing is like Claremont has this um euphemism of sex as oh, like God. he he writes the he writes the two of them like havoc and lona on the beach talking about discovering who they are and how much they mean to each other like overnight because they didn't sleep so i was like oh okay are they having 
sex and, and yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't say Tyler. it <laughs> i mean he uses almost that same formulation in the in the classic um gene and scott in the desert which will come to yeah. not too long from now uh yeah very yeah uh, what, what do you think i mean you um you, you were never on board with like alex you think alex is really boring what do you think yeah how did so, he come across you here I didn't read this issue, unfortunately. Ah. Uh. So I, because the thing is, I actually read when I read one eleven. I'm like, oh, the story's told. I don't need to read <laughs> because <laughs> the story. It's like you know, um, Beast actually tells what he was. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. so that's why. So I because I didn't actually have time before this, so I couldn't okay. read that. Um, but now I'm gonna go back and read it. I mean, the, Alex is probably continued to be. Hmm. Th this issue is actually collected in the omnibus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. because it's by Claremont yeah. Byrne. It, it has X-Men characters. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Well, yeah. You know, Peter wrote that as optional. So I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter also, Peter also wrote... Peter also write classic as an optional, but yeah. I still read them, so I should have so, read them. It's actually also in the um, first Claremontian epic collection. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it actually makes sense, though, because or else if you're going from 110 to 111, you're like, huh? Like, yeah. you know, but then within 111, everything is actually explained. I'm Correct. like, well, there you go. You know, Marvel could write tie-in before. Yeah. yeah. No, but they don't the know other... how to do it anymore. <laughs> I mean, the other thing I thought you... you you would enjoy here is that um you know like like how how polaris called beast for help because uh -huh. havoc was uh kidnapped and uh -huh. then beast just went off and looked for the x-men ignoring <laughs> the fact that havoc is still missing <laughs> and kidnapped oh yeah he, because... he's, he's like the great that's nice and he's like well i better find the x-men yeah <laughs> i was like um and and, and i was See, just even reading... beast doesn't Bees doesn't care about Havoc. Exactly. I was just waiting for you to say that. That's why I'm asking you. It's like, oh, Faria, oh, what do you Oh, damn. Think? I should have because... read that. This is this is the start of, like, you know, Evil Beast. Like, we're, we've yeah. been talking about Dark Beast. This is the start of it. It's like, <laughs> Havoc, don't care. Let's look at the better the, ones. But this is not the high intelligence, low wisdom beast. This is just, like, a forgetful beast. beast. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to look for... Oh wait, X Men! Oh yeah, look, look for the X Men. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's, okay. well, that's... that's what leads us finally into Uncanny mm -hmm. X Men One Eleven because it yep. famously starts with Beast at a carnival, and you're like, "What?" And he's what? he's looking for the X Men, and he's like, gotten some 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 pings on his thing. He's gotten some leads, and he's here at this carnival, and all of the X Men are the various carnival attractions here. Mm -hmm. uh, now, we don't know at the time if we're just doing a sequential X-Men read that they're, they've been removed from the mansion and they're under Mesmero's control. Here, we would yeah. just be finding that out cold. And this issue is kind of Beast trying to figure out what is the weak spot in, um, in trying to break through the control. Who can he shake free first uh, to but first infil infiltrate and get them out? But first, he spends a lot of time figuring out if these are the real X-Men. Because yeah. he's like, well, I don't know if these are real X-Men. Mm, I have never met them. Yeah. Mm, I don't know about this. <laughs> I mean, the one time he, he appeared... Because he's was... only really heard of these new X-Men. Yeah, right, I mean, the one time right. he was like, I think in issue 90, uh, was it 94? Where he appears yeah. on the screen and said, that, oh, you know, we need help because uh, the Avengers were not around or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I yeah. guess these are the new X-Men. Yeah. No, I mean, no, someone said that these are the new ones. It's like, oh, if you say so. 
Like that was his reaction. I still remember that his reaction was, oh, okay, if you say so. Uh, but yeah, so he never even noticed them or cared about them enough to get to know what they look like. So he was just passing by each attraction. It's like, well, I guess that's, it could be, it could be Storm. It could be Nightcrawler. Yeah. I don't know. So I shouldn't be, you know, into this. So, and then finally he goes to Gene, find Gene. It's like, maybe you are Gene. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, the way what? you float down to to the ground. Yeah. Maybe you are Jin. I'm like, isn't he supposed to be smart? What's going on here? <laughs> so, you know, that was, yeah. it was all very funny. I mean, what what about starting the story in the middle, like of the of 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 something happening, right? You're you're being you're being thrown into a story that is already on its way. It's, it's already happening and and you don't know what what happened before, you know? So I made the mistake or not mistake of reading 17 before this, you know? So I now wish okay. I didn't. I wish yeah. like I just read everything in one go and then kind of see how it f felt. But because now I knew what was going on, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it read completely different than what you were ah, what you were saying okay which is a which is a kind of like a loss in a way yeah. because it shouldn't have been read that way True. whereas i have read it many times just coming into it cold before i kind of put my whole reading order together yeah and it's i mean it's really disorienting especially because you come right off of that dark hawk or, or whatever his name is yeah steel hawks to hawk steel <laughs> fill in in, in 110 yeah and so you're kind you're kind of like is this the result of that did he leave mm. something behind in the mansion that you know and i think claremont you know to his potential credit maybe was aware at the time that he was coming off of this weird fill-in issue and he's like well mm -hmm. rather than try to pick up from there let's just like really throw everybody into mid-story and what i enjoy about this in meter res is that it doesn't and it doesn't ever really go back to explain it. Like, he goes no. back to explain it eventually in that classic yeah. X-Men backup. But it's kind of just let to happen. And this is all just a setup and a prelude for what happens at the end of the issue. Although yep. we still have a little while before we get there yep. that sets up the next story. So it's kind of just like the whole purpose of the story was Claremont just wanted to get the X-Men into a small space that could be flown through the air. And he kind of just was working back from there. Like, hmm, how can I get all the X-Men? <laughs> what would work? A, a covered wagon? That would work. Why would yeah. all the X-Men be in a covered wagon? And they could be at a circus. Why would all the X-Men be at a circus? And I can just see his wheels turning until he's like, well, I don't really need to explain why they're at a circus. As long as Mesmero got them there, that's good enough. And so that's where we start the issue. <laughs> but I kind of like the fact that, um, I mean, starting in the middle of an action is going to be something that Claremont does quite often. And in mm. some cases, I think it does not work at all because it really, really confuses everyone. But in this case, I think it kind of works because um, the reader goes along with Beast and try to discover what, what, what is happening. So as Beast mm. discovers yeah. something, the reader discovers something too. So... Right, because you, know, you would that, already know if he had started it with like the actual kidnapping, yeah. you would be like, no, listen to Beast. But here you actually have some level of mystery of like, is it yeah. the Phoenix doing this? Like you don't, you don't really yeah, know. And especially what is happening? Jean is just like, she's in this like green robe trench coat with these fishnet stockings and she's like smoking it's a smoking. cigarette. It's just like <laughs> such a weird, weird moment for Jean. Uh, you know, and you get almost having read that classic x-men backup you get the sense yeah. that mesmero is like well if i can't have her i'm gonna really just have her be this like yeah weird dame from like a gumshoe story from the 40s you know just like 
<laughs> let her, let's have her off to the side and have her not be desirable since I'm not allowed yeah. to have her. And, and then also Cyclops is like, he's like just a security. He's not even an attraction. No, he's not. So he has no I'm attraction. Like, yeah, and I'm like, dude, you're like the most like, you know, normal passing mutant out there. <laughs> Stop crying about your eye laser beam. I mean, and... And so Beast is unable really to do anything about any of this. Yeah. He can't snap Gene out of it. He can't snap Cyclops out of it. So he continues his investigation. And in a panel that has been seared into my brain, he discovers Mesmero in his covered wagon, um, <laughs> just drawn like one of Burns French girls. I mean, he's, he's in full seduction mode. He's, yeah, I, I think we could describe it as crotch first. It's, it's disturbingly sexual. <laughs> I mean, I was actually kind of thinking, I'm like, what was he doing there sitting like this? Like, well, was he waiting for someone? What's going on? What was the... I was, I, I had the same exact reaction. I'm like, whoa, what is going on? He's, but, he's practicing a pose for Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's something. Yeah. I just, you just can't help but look right between his legs the way that the panel is framed. I just... <laughs> <laughs> it's hypnotizing, which I guess is part of his power. So Beast encounters him there, uh, and then we cut away to Wolverine, who, independent of any of Beast's interference, mm-hmm. is breaking free of this control, lining up with what we saw from the classic X-Men issue, which is that Mesmero was having a hard time controlling Wolverine yep. to begin with. But since we didn't have that classic story at the time, you can already see this is like B- Burns' influence. He's like, Wolverine wouldn't just be mind-controlled. Wolverine's yeah. cooler than that. Wolverine's got force of will and Claremont's like, yes, keep talking. I got it. I got it. And it's just, it already feels like a different Wolverine. It really feels like we're reading this Wolverine for the first time and Mm -hmm. he's a brand new character. I don't know. Is it just me? I always feel that when I get to this page, when he breaks out and he go, he cuts his bonds and he starts to hunt down Mesmero and he, and we'll get to him and Jean in a second. It just feels like a completely different Wolverine that I've just been introduced to for the first time. But wasn't it like a similar Wolverine in another issue we have seen where he was the first one to break through? I feel like we have seen it, like, you know, when... When they're under Lang's control and the... uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is different, though, because it's, like, specifically brainwashing, and I think it hints to this idea that there's, like, more to Wolverine then meets the eye and he's got all of these mental layers that like you it's really hard to convince him to be someone else which is i think why it's different to me than just like being locked in a chamber or whatever you know <clears throat> okay possibly. i'm not saying you're wrong i think you that no, no, you know, I mean, definitely yeah, has happened no, before I mean, that's one of the reason i wasn't super in like you know this like this was just a moment for me yeah. because i thought that he already have demonstrated that before and I, I think also the other thing also i think is more like the change in focus because because it's burn and burn loves um you know because he's canadian and therefore he has attachment to wolverine um you do get to see a more focused wolverine issue as opposed to when cochran was drawing it wolverine and banshee would often be tossed off panel yeah. yeah and then it's like oh yeah they flew off and they got captured yeah we're we not yeah. talking we're not drawing yeah. it i'm not drawing it <laughs> that kind of thing so um yeah so you do see a shift in focus i mean unfortunately for banshee he doesn't get much yeah he kind of becomes either. the odd man out because neither yeah. claremont nor burn <laughs> seem to care all that much about yeah. banshee should just let more drown him last issue or two yeah. issues go so so now we unfortunately, Wolverine is like, well, I better snap Gene out of it first. Good instinct. Uh, but to get Gene to snap out of it, he 
again, weird Claremont themes that will come up again, decides yeah. that he'll just smack her. Uh, and that, you know, physically assaulting her will kind of bring her to her senses, which it does. But it just it reads in such a bad way now. It I does. don't know. Priya, like, how hard did it, you cringe? A lot. Like, you know, a lot. It's like, ugh. And then knowing that what he's going to do to this woman later on, like, you know, that how, you know, how I think it's the same in the movie and in the in the comic right like he actually like he stabs her right to get her out of the i couldn't possibly spoil that for you for you yeah okay, we are not spoiling right. it for you <laughs> you okay, can go ahead anyway. you can think that you can go but the thing is like yeah so it's like knowing everything and the thing is like why can't you he's just like you know because same trope when it happens to men you're just gonna hit them in the head why not hit her in the head? Right, that's the like, thing. It's not that I'm saying, like, don't, just punch her. Like, I'm not saying don't threaten yeah. Gene, but just the the image of him being like, yeah. well, I've got to fight a woman. I guess I'm just going to, like, backhand her. But yeah. also, you know, and we, we're we not experts in 19, late 1970s fiction culture, is, like, would it have actually come off worse at the time to see him punch her, you know? Like, now we read it, and we're like, oh, that's mm. so insulting that he backhands a woman. Like, what a what a regressive moment. But at the time, could Claremont have gotten away with him punching her in the gut, or would it have been, like, angry re readers writing in being like, how dare you have a man punch a woman in the gut, you know? Like, I don't really but know. That's what I, but that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm saying. Just hit her in the head. Like, you know, in the back. Like, you know, just drop, like, drop an anvil on her. That's better, you know, because it's like that's like equal opportunity. Everyone gets a hat and will drop on them. Just, just do that, like you know, One rather of, than like this this imagery of like you know domestic violence and everything. I know. Just, right, that's why when you combine in no. the whole history of it, it's not a good. Not but a the good thing one. is, the thing is, why go there, right? Like, um, yeah, yeah, why, that too. Because you know, um, Cyclops. I mean, Cyclops is 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 there. So why doesn't Wolverine just try and attack Cyclops and punch him in front of 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 Jean to try and snap her out of it? Right. It seems like there's so many oh, other right. beats here, which is either put Jean at mortal danger, like literally try to drop an anvil on her yeah. and be like, I'm sure she'll try to evade that, or yeah. Wolverine doesn't even like Cyclops. Why not be like, yeah. well, I'll murder a guy and maybe that'll snap yeah. out of it. And if Correct. not, fine. <laughs> you know, yeah. like what that would. I don't know. <laughs> So it just seems no, like just avoid it, right? Like yeah, just avoid it. Yeah, just part. just do something different. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It does lead I mean, us like, though to a great visual moment of her kind of manifesting her phoenix power and her gold costume, and then being like remembering everything that's happened, yeah. which leads her, you know, to free all the other X Men. Which we don't know why it would be so easy here, but we do because classic X Men issue, and they kind of corner Mesmero. And we don't even get the satisfaction of them beating up Mesmero because around <laughs> from the back of the desk turns Magneto, who's taken this time of the X-Men at their weakest moment to get them all into a covered wagon so he can fly them to Antarctica. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Varia, what are your thoughts? No, so when I first saw that, I'm like, wait, this was his big plan? I thought this was his plan. Like, I haven't read 112 and 113 yet, which we're yeah. going to talk about later. I'm like, this is the plan. So I was, like, fuming. I was, like, 
Peter reading a Jonathan Hickman X-Men issue. <laughs> That's what I was. I'm like, what? I mean, how dare they? But then, you know, it kind of, but then, so yeah, it was, I did not see that coming though, because I was like, whoa, like, where's that coming from? Yeah. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it actually has a very satisfying ending. And Burns okay. Magneto is, he's large. I know. I mean, he's, he's got. sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Look at that arm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, since he lost, like, you know, he returned from his babyhood, he's yeah. been, like, you know, exercising his a lot. Prime. Now that he's he, supposed to be in yeah, his prime. That's what, he, that's what he keeps on saying again and again. I'm like, okay, I get it. You're in your yeah. prime. No, I mean, you sexy but, beast. I mean, if we talk about the art here, right? Like, um, there is this panel where we where Manito appears and, you know, and, and, and Mesmero was like, oh my god. And you don't, you think he's reacting to Beast, right? But if you look closely at that panel, there's a shadow of Magneto's on Beast's back, which Ooh. I have never noticed before. So until like, um, re until this reread, um, if you so, go, if you go to that page, uh, yeah, um, it's that's at the really bottom interesting. Left. It's like while Me Mesmero is like trying to hypnotize Beast, and yeah. Beast is like, you're not going to do it. And then finally he faces down Mesmero and you can see there there's a shadow from behind Beast uh, yeah. approaching. And it's clearly Magneto. It's got his little helmet horns. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing, right? Ooh. Like, you can see that. I mean, yeah. I mean, these are like visual cues which Burn puts in. And there's a really famous one later on, which I'm not going to spoil it for you first. I'll let you see if you can catch it. Um, but Burn does this quite a, quite a bit. And then um, just before the last page, he squeezes seven X-Men into one ninth, of, I mean, one nine by nine panel, like small panel, and, and does it beautifully. I mean, I thought that's, that's the brilliance of Burn, I think. You, you know which one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I, I absolutely yeah. do. It's the bottom corner of the final page right before the big full-body Magneto yeah. reveal. Right. And just, um, I mean, Burn was good, you know. we I, I try not to let my appreciation of his art at the time get reflected by the stories he's created since then, the person mm -hmm. he's become today, because at the yeah. time, this was revolutionary. I mean, yeah. he draws them with such authority and power. He he really kind of discovers who they are. Claremont, you can never take away that that... Cockrum in working with Claremont defined all of these looks and created mm -hmm. them and all of these beautiful costumes and everything. But when it comes to just the way they carry themselves, the way their faces look to me, Byrne defined that just as much as Jim Lee. Like I think Byrne and Lee are two yeah. of the most definitive artists on X-Men. And I just always really delight in reading these issues because you see Byrne doing things for the first time and, um, and it really sears into your brain what some of these characters look like. Mm-hmm. And then yes, when you go back and read Cockrum, you notice like how bug-eyed they look in Cockrum or how weird their faces are shaped or how long their noses are. Because in your mind, your mental image of them will come to be the burn version. At yeah. least mine is. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, this got seared into my brain. Look at that. Look at those arms. <laughs> He's massive. He's like bigger than Colossus. Mm-hmm. Pride. Mm -hmm. Pride Magneto. <sighs> well... 
the classic X-Men issue does make some alterations to this, but really the only thing it does is gives us a recap at the beginning mm -hmm. to orient us to the fact that Beast has history with the X-Men, which this issue yeah. hadn't really done. And you have to think for audiences at the time who had not been reading the Silver Age, they really don't have a lot to go on other than the fact that he's a mutant. So the, the classic X-Men issue gives you more. But quite a cliffhanger here, and it goes to some places in the next issue. So if you want to stick with our read, we're just charging right forward the next few issues of more than a few issues of Uncanny X-Men have no chance really for a break in them so there's not a lot of other things that are inserted around them. Next time we will read Uncanny X-Men 112 and 113 as well as the classic X-Men issues that go alongside them and it's a pretty huge story uh, that leads to the a whole run of really huge yeah. X-Men stories. It's uh, hits after hits after hits. Yeah, we're coming free. If you've been hanging on by by yeah. your fingernails to like try to maintain your interest. If we cannot get you interested in X-Men over the course of the next 10 issues, then maybe yeah. maybe this read is is doomed because yeah. I think here's no, where it starts I mean, so getting good. No, it's not no, it's not doomed. I can tell you that because 112 and 113 is the first time I'm like, oh, now I see what those guys are talking about. Because yes. all this time I was yes. kind of fuming. I was fuming. I'm like, why are they making me read this? <laughs> Even though we know X-Men is better when it's read together, we are always talking about that. But I was like, oh, make it stop. But, but now, I wanted, I wanted 112, to 113. I want to dig into that to a sec for a second because when people say where should I start reading X-Men the, the mm. answer of many internet nerds such as ourselves uh, they'll say just start with Claremont or yeah. worse just start with Silver Age but let's not tackle that and so we've <laughs> th this first epic which is a lot of what people would be told to go by has mm. the issues Giant Size X-Men number one X-Men 94 to 110 my argument is if you just have somebody read Uncanny X-Men 94 to 110 and it's all mm -hmm. in one book and they have the option to stop reading X-Men and not read the yeah. next book, I they think they stop. would stop. I really don't think 94 to 110 is all that compelling other than as a prelude to what's going to start happening starting from 112. That is my mm -hmm. position as one of your foremost X-Men experts on the internet, which is do not tell your poor friends to start reading Claremont from scratch unless you're going to give them hour-long coaching sessions on every issue <laughs> and why it's going to matter more to them later as we have with Freya. I don't know. Tyler, what do you think? And then background of Freya is the one who's been subjected to this. <laughs> I mean, I, I completely agree because um, someone will come in and say, hey, I'm new to comics or I'm new to X-Men. Where should I start? And I often oppose the recommendation to start from the beginning, even yeah. though I do suggest it. Sometimes I will say that, well, you know, if you really do not know the characters, you have never read any X-Men, let's start with the greatest hits. Let's start with Dark Phoenix Saga. If you are, you know, if you want to read a longer type of story, if you want to write, read really short story, go for God Loves Man Kill. Goes for Days of Future Past, um, and 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 things like that. Like go for shorter stories that kind of encapsulate what um, Claremont X Men is, and then you start from the beginning right. of his run. Yeah, because then you know that okay, this is where he's going to get to eventually and even exceeded um but but if if you come in cold and like you know if Freya has just read Sandman and the next thing is like oh I want to do some superheroes I was like oh <laughs> yeah go ahead giant size x-men number one and uncanny x-men 94 you'll be like um okay superheroes is not for me 
<laughs> I think that will be the conclusion that you get, right? Well, this is Tyler and I theorizing, but Freya, you've now just been through it. You've read a fair amount of X-Men. You've read Whedon. You've read Mars, and You've been reading all the sick men. Yeah. But, like, would you recommend to anybody now yourself as a as a burgeoning X-Men fan to start from 94 the way that you've done here? Unless, of course, they're reading along with us in this series. Yeah. So, it's very... I mean, so the thing is, like, I kind of keep on saying that I necessarily don't think that I feel like Claremont is kind of the way and I can change my mind later on but as it stands right now it feels like so much has happened since then and these stories it's like similar to me telling you what I've done in my great in my middle school like it's just like so much has gone on with these characters and so much has have changed between them that it's just very difficult to go back and even think about those stories and I have a kind of feeling that if I didn't know Hawksbox, Ducks, Rocks, um, would I have been as interested in this because no, recontextualizing Moira and how those are, would it have actually mattered to me as, as, as much? I do say, though, you should read Giant Size X-Men, X-Men 94, and jump to 111 and onwards. And also those classic X-Men backup stories are so much better. Except for the couple that we talked about are not necessarily, but the earlier ones, it mm -hmm. helps to understand some of those things. Um, but yeah, so but the thing is, I don't know, maybe when I read the whole thing, it would make different sense that it would probably be like, no, I needed to read all of this so I can get here. Yeah, my position on it always, always has been, and of course, I had never read all of these sequentially until uh, being an mm. adult, because other than, unless you were like Tyler and you got them all in classic X-Men, they were yeah. impossible to lay your hands on in the 90s. I mean, not impossible, you could get them, but they were like already in the like, Expensive. I don't know, 20 to $50 in issue range, yeah. if you were going earlier than Dark Phoenix Saga, and they weren't collected really anywhere. And, mm. and so when I finally got to read it, I'd read so much other X-Men that I already had this kind of mindset of, a, like, I was going back to unearth something. And you can kind of see right. the layers of Claremont figuring things out. But it's, you know, it's 16 long issues, and it's it's the better part of an omnibus. And I'm not saying they're bad mm. comics. And especially if you're somebody who's going back and reading a lot of Bronze Age comics from 1975, I don't know that there's a lot of Marvel comics that are better than this. I'm just saying it doesn't really start feeling like the X-Men we know until yeah. this point. But to address one other thing that Freya said, and then I guess we'll, we'll start to wrap up here, is Freya, you made this comment that these things feel like they've happened so long ago. I think what you'll discover is that after we get to the Phoenix Saga and what's past it, if we keep reading mm -hmm. past it, now we start getting to plots that get referred to constantly. constantly. Like those, the Claremont plots from 129 to like almost to the end of his run at 280 yeah. are things that almost every modern story refers to again and again. It's really just this early stuff that's kind of been left to the dusty corners of, yeah. of memory. So whether it's Dark Phoenix, Days of Future Past, The Brood, Emma killing Firestar's horse, these are things that we, that we go on and, <laughs> and remember fondly to this day. So that's what's part of the fun of doing this I know. classic and I mean, read. Claremont himself tried to try tried to break that 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 Mm, what do you call it? That really sad and angsty part of things by moving them to somewhere else, but it didn't quite work out the way he wanted as well. So, but but we'll come to that hopefully. Yeah. I mean, when 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 we get there. Well, those are very right, and that's many what I'm we'll for the see. future. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, we'll see. We'll see how this all around goes, and then I'll may change my position once I'm done yeah. reading all of this. So the next, the next twenty issues is really important. 
for you to see if you want to carry on. <laughs> <laughs> well, with all of that discussed, uh, and with the reminder that X-Men really is redder, better when it's read together, we will leave you there and tell you to prepare for our next discussion by reading Uncanny X-Men 112 and 113, as well as their classic X-Men mates, which are classic X-Men 17 and 18. And, uh, and we will be back with you then. Or actually, not 17 and 18, 18 and 19. Uh, so until then, and on behalf of Freya and Tyler and myself, thank you so much for making this better by reading it together with us. And we will see you once again here on Crushing Comics. Bye. Bye.